Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Margaret. Hi, I'm Margaret. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi Margaret. And uh, I'm really glad to be here tonight. And um, this, this meeting is very special to me. Um, I'm not a century person, but this is where I was coming and um, where I finally got abstinent. There was never a doubt in my mind that I have this illness. It didn't matter that I, that I didn't um, have 100 pounds to lose. This is where I came to keep on hearing stories, to keep on hearing um, the disease and what happens. Um, when you're in the throes of the disease. and um, But I'm going to talk more about that later. I want to talk about um, how the food, how I was with the food, and what happened to me. I, Looking back on my life, I was, I was eating so much at certain times of the night. When I, it started when I was a child. I would just stuff myself at night, and I, I would know that I was doing it. It would happen during dinner, and it would happen after dinner. And I know it was because I was just plain scared at night. I was just plain scared at night, never knew what was going to go on in my house or anything like that. And um, there was a, a lot of love in my house, but there was also a lot of violence. And you can never predict when it was going to happen because there was nothing like drinking or anything that was going on in the house. And I remember um, sitting at dinner and I wasn't even hungry for seconds or thirds, but I was just taking it. And, and I would notice that my mother wasn't eating a lot. I noticed it, and um, they just um, there wasn't a lot of money for like 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 when I went on my binges as an adult, I ate a lot more than she would buy for dinner for a family of five. And you know, I just I just remember that my mother didn't have a problem with her weight or food. She was always like a size two or a size four her whole life, and she had three kids. You know, I never heard her talk against her own body and say that she needed to go on a diet. There was nothing like that. My father went up and down in his weight. I didn't realize that though until after I got sober. And um, I remember watching TV one night, and there was a show on called The Honeymooners. And then there was I Love Lucy right after that. And I remember thinking that my father reminded me of both characters, um, Jackie Gleason and Desi Arnaz Jr. And then I realized the, the weight um, difference between those two. And I didn't realize that my father did go up and down like that. And um, I started having a lot of problems with with um, eating so much that I would get sick, sick during the night. I would uh, vomit in my sleep uh, to the point that my parents sometimes made me sleep with them because they were afraid that I was gonna um, die during my sleep. And then my, my mother finally realized that it was because I was eating too much food. She wasn't happy about it at all and I just get punished for um, eating like a whole cake or anything. She would try, she would figure it out what I did. And, um, but I don't know why I was doing it. I didn't know at the time, but now looking back on it, I knew it was because I was managing my uncontrollable feelings. And I was so confused about as to what was going on in the house. I had two sisters and older and younger, and I felt like that I had to protect them, but it was just overwhelming after a while. And, um, and, um, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be too sick to eat breakfast. My mother would make me eat and she would say that mornings are hard. I just have to get used to mornings being hard. And I would always um, be sick in the morning. Um, I was expelled a lot, but 
one of the many reasons was I'd be in the bathroom being sick in the morning and be sick for home and be late for homeroom every morning. I'm not blaming it on that because believe me, I did a lot. To, I worked hard on my expulsions, but um, I was I was sick all the time, especially in the morning. Um, so um, I started having a bad body image, I guess, when I was a young teenager and. Uh, but I soon started drinking and getting high and acting out. There was a lot of recklessness in my life and um, um, violence, and I was always with that kind of crew, and I was kind of a leader type of person, and, uh, but rode to hell. I wasn't going near the student council people. And um, I was always trying to manage my weight, and I... Um, I was because I was sick so much that uh, sick to my stomach. I wasn't bulimic because I was sick to my stomach. I think that's why I never got large because um, I would eat, and then a lot of times I would starve myself. I would um, eat these little things called AIDS a lot, binge on AIDS. Those little papers all over my room, and um, you know, just um, I, I don't know, just eat, eat raw stuff and. Um, and then not eat and become anorexic and you know just always just be horrified about um, what I thought I looked like. My mother was very body conscious and looks conscious and uh, she would always like yell at us if not to, if we were doing nothing to look in the mirror and try to improve our looks in some way. I was like a little doll to my mother. It was the only time we got along is when she took me shopping and, um, and she would buy me these clothes and then I would have to come home and model them for my father and they just both seemed so happy. Um, I, I um, you know, drinking and drugging through a lot of my life and, and just the reckless behavior and running away from home and going cross country several times, you know, I'll just kind of skip over that, but just know that I never learned how to care for myself and I never learned how to cook a meal or anything like that. And when I, um, you know, I would go for days at a time with not eating and I would think if I ate a burrito, then I couldn't eat for like two or three days. I don't know, did I think I was a snake? <laughs> I don't know, you just eat a lot and digest it for three days? I don't know. I just, uh, no one ever told me, you know, how to take care of myself. I didn't know the difference between um, a carbohydrate and a protein until after I got sober in 1988. And after um, a year or two, I ended up going to Weight Watchers, which helped me a lot because it, it taught me about food. Um, I had a lot of suicide attempts in my life, and um, I, I don't know how I lived out of each one, but they were all different, and I lived out of each one. And uh, I remember becoming really, really skinny, and I remember um, my whole life, my dreams were not coming true, and I remember I wanted them to come true a lot. I felt bad leaving my sisters behind, but I did end up leaving home and coming to California by myself. And um, my life continued to be uh, violent, and I, I was in the Tenderloin for many years, and I got a job in a bar there, and um, always plagued with eating disorders, but I had no idea at the time. Um, so when I got sober, I, my sponsor, my first sponsor gave me a pamphlet on anorexia. I, I, I didn't know why. 
Oh, I think I know why. Because I was. No, I, I, because um, I, she, I told her what I was doing, like at night, like after the meeting. Like, actually, a good part of the day, I would buy big, huge things of soda, and that's the only thing that I, I would just keep on drinking the soda, you know, to, to get myself full. And um, she gave me this pamphlet on anorexia, and I read it, and I'm telling you that it just got to me. I felt so bad. There's a couple of things that happened when I got sober. Putting a cigarette to my mouth, I felt bad for me. I felt like I was hurting myself. And I quit smoking in my first year, and they told you not to, but I quit smoking in my first year. And then when I read this pamphlet on anorexia, it said that if you're anorexic, you're trying to starve yourself to death. I felt so bad when I read that. But I didn't know how to feed myself properly, so that this is when compulsive overeating took charge because um, now I started to eat food and I started to like it. And, um, and it was an escape and it, and it happened to be, that's what I was doing when I was a kid. And all these memories were coming back to me when I was sober and um, I was realizing things about my family. I remember um, in my first couple of months of sobriety, I went to the supermarket and I was overwhelmed. I had a lot of anxiety and panic attacks. And I remember the supermarket was too big for me that the, the shelves went up too high it's like somebody told me sober means son of a bitch everything's real I didn't even realize that like whoa you know either you know everything was down here or up to here it's like whoa I didn't even know it was on the top shelf I couldn't look but anyway so I bought canned goods because I didn't know how to do anything else and I remember bringing them home and I put them in the cabinet in my in my kitchen and then I went inside, and then I'm like so excited. I would go back in there, open the cabinet. Woo! I, you know, it's like a real person. I'm like a real person. But I, I just didn't know what to do. And um, I started gaining weight and um, eating a lot. And um, one night I was in front of the TV after I got home, and I was eating so much um, pasta that uh, I stopped for a minute and I drank water and it swelled up in my throat. I didn't know that was going to happen, and I almost choked to death. And so when I stopped to make this thing go down, I realized that um, I started crying, crying and crying and crying. And I realized that I was just trying to eat so I wouldn't cry. And, um, you know, that's what I had like this so much grief. And um, what I learned was someone taught me that grief has a beginning and an end. And it wasn't going to overwhelm me and kill me like that. So I went into Weight Watchers for a few years. But then all it was, all it became to me was, you know, how I can eat the most food. How can I eat the most food in one sitting? And, um, and th that became a shit show fast. And, um, you know, then, then I just, um, th then I remember just, you know, I, I would come home at night and there would be so many things going on. There'd be like food, it would be like a big hoopla event. It was like a three ring circus. There was all kinds of things going on in the kitchen. The microwave was going, there was pots going on. There was, I was, I, I was already on the couch with, with bags and boxes around me. And, um, you know, like I would work out, dance class and everything like that and walk all the time, like seven miles a day. So, um, you know, my depression got worse and worse and worse, even though that I was sober. And so, um, you know, the big book says that if you're having problems, to reach out more to other people and to help the next person. 
And I want to tell you that that does not work with clinical depression. And I was trying to treat my clinical depression with the food. And all I was doing after a while was I had so many sponsees, you couldn't count them. And I was um, doing this 12-step work that all took place in the Tenderloin. It was really like hardcore 12-step work. And um, after I got abstinent, I couldn't do it anymore. And, and um you know, it, it was just a terrible existence. I'd be eating so much at night that I couldn't stop. I'd be almost tired. Like I, I wanted, to, I was crying. I wanted to go to sleep, but I would go from eating tons of sugar products to tons of salt products, and then I wanted to go back again to the sugar before I fell asleep. And in the morning, I'd be really sick and um, with a lot of anxiety too. And um, so how did I come to uh, recovery? You know, when I would bring things up like this in 12-step programs that I belong to, they would poo-poo me and, um, because they thought, I didn't, they thought I looked all right. And all my life I got that, and um, it didn't work. It never helped me when someone pointed out to me, like when I was a kid, a teenager in school, they would go to me, but Margaret, you have so much potential. Look at you. And, and I didn't even know what to say because it wasn't a question. And what do you mean, look at you? How, what is that, how does that help me? You know, I just didn't know what to do. And so um, I was in a meeting one day, and an AA meeting, and someone came up to me after the meeting and uh, she saw the pitiful lunch I had, and she had a lunch that was in a Tupperware, and uh, she started telling me that she was in a 12-step program for the food. And, um, and I was like, why? You know, I was asking her why, like someone would have asked me why, and uh, she said, why don't you just come with me tonight? And it was a different 12-step program than OA. And so I went with her, and uh, I was very strict, and they told me what to do, and I did it. And um, I got abstinent overnight, and I, I gave up sugar, wheat, flour products, and started weighing and measuring, did what they said and um, from fear. And like um, I knew there was something wrong with that 12-step program, but I was actually giving up this food and weighing and measuring and not eating after dinner. And I want to tell you, something happened for me right away. The first week I started doing that, I was in my apartment, and all of a sudden I got terrified and I looked around and like what's wrong here and I realized you know with all that hoopla of the food there was nothing going on and for the first time I realized I was alone in my apartment I was like oh my god I live alone you know it's just like all the three ring circus wasn't going on anymore and um, I started getting I called it re-entry anxiety where um, coming into my apartment was so scary and it would happen was it was bringing up I had to go back to therapy that I thought I had gone through all this stuff already. But um, um, anyway, a couple of suggestions for me, and they didn't work. But what ended up working for me was when I would come home, I would run a bubble bath. I did, that worked for me because I would always be so freezing from anxiety that that would just you know help me. And it was a non-food thing. I, I would never have thought of anything like that. So um, I just lasted a month in that program, and I, I left it because I thought they were mean. And um, I thought I was fixed. That was the only time that I left a program and didn't go to another one because I had given up flour and sugar products. 
I thought that was amazing. I'm, I'm, you know, born and raised Italian. I, that, that's all, you know, and dairy. I gave up dairy. All that stuff, you know, and I never felt so good. So I thought I'd be all right. I thought it was the food. And then all of a sudden, immediately, I started overeating massive quantities of food that had nothing to do with flour and sugar. And I started reading labels and... Um, and all of a sudden, I gained 18 pounds almost immediately, quickly. And then in the supermarket one day, I had a moment of clarity. I don't know how. And um, something told me that I was going to go back to the sugar and the flour if I didn't watch it. So um, that's how I ended up in OA. And that's how I ended up here. And um, it wasn't easy to get my abstinence back the way that I had it, to stop overeating. Um, and... Um, I remember um, I had no vehicle, so I would walk around a lot. Every neighborhood I went into had some kind of store where I would go in and get my favorite items. I had them all over the place. So people, places, and things were all over the place for me. And um, so um, what I did was I started, read I started going through the steps. I was going to five OA meetings a week, five AA meetings a week. I had a sponsor. And... Um, we, we started reading the steps, and um, in one of the steps in the OA step book, it says if you, it, it, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it, it says, you know, if you're having like a craving or a problem, to um, bring your thoughts back to your, um, your principles, your, what, what are your goals, and, um, and then think of your goals, and then, um, and, then, and then, you know, call someone or use a tool and um, help somebody else. But I had to write it down. They, I had to write it down on an index card and carry it with me for when, like, I was walking down a fisherman's wharf and, and I didn't want to stop walking around on the bay or anything. And um, so I did that. And then uh, there's no magic pill, but from doing that and from praying and from knowing people in this program, which was a real fellowship, and coming to this meeting, all of a sudden it happened for me and I got abstinent. And, um, and I started going through the steps and I was um, on an intergroup. And I want to tell you that um, my depression went away. My depression went away for the first time in my life. Right before I came into OA, um, I went on Prozac for um, a few months. It was almost a year, but after a few months, I saw what I was doing with the food. It made it clear to me that I was using food as a drug. And, um, and then after a year, I went off of it. And I don't know if that's right or wrong, but um, I think good is the enemy of better. And if it's not situational depression, and if you've never not been depressed in your life, and then all of a sudden you feel a little better, I thought I was, I never felt that good in my life up until then. Looking back on those days, because now it's 20 years later, I was, I still needed that medication. It's a miracle that I just even made it through, but I was, I was, so many things were happening for me. And I felt like I was in AA so long and all these things didn't happen. And then I get abstinent and things started happening quickly. And the first thing that started happening that I noticed was I have a lot of phobias and um, I didn't want to get on a plane because I, I felt claustrophobic. And I took, um, I t ended up, Oh, it's like you don't know that the phobia is gone until you do it. But all of a sudden, I had a, 
I had an inkling that I'd be all right, and I ended up going to Florida, and I was okay. And when the plane landed, that's when I would get the scaredest because the door didn't open yet. All of a sudden, like I, I heard this voice say to me in my head, these are good people, you have nothing to worry about. It was fear of people rather than the small space that was bothering me, I had no idea. And then I took um, a um, cross-country trip with my friend on his motorcycle, and um, and then um, after that, somebody else in OA was going to France. She was going to um, the French Riviera, and she asked me if I would look up something in Monaco for her, and I did. And all of a sudden, something said to me, I, I said, oh, too bad I can't do this, you know, it's too far a trip. And I realized that was my mother's voice, not mine. And... Um, I never realized that before. These were her fears, not mine. And and um, so I started thinking about it. And I looked up, the airfare was $1,400. And then I got home, and there was a check in the mail for $1,300 from an old 401k plan. How much? Five that? more minutes. And um, so I took that as a, as a you know... A, and I do, it's a good omen. So I went the next day and I looked up my ticket and it was half price and I ended up going to Monaco and, 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 it, and staying abstinent. And um, all these things happened. And then, um, and then after that, I, I decided to give my family, offered me a job in the, in, in the family law firm and I ended up going back to New York. It did not work out and it didn't work out quickly, but so many other good things, I got close with people in OA in New York and uh, lifelong friends, I'm still friends. And, um, and so many other things happened while I was in New York. So many things, so many things. It, it was like I wrote them all down when I got home and it took up a whole legal pad, just line by line by line. And all these things, I felt like my life was so small. Anyway, when I, I ended up coming back from New York and um, I um, left OA and joined another program for 15 years and I just came back to OA a year ago and I was in that program for so long because I thought I needed the strictness and I, I want to tell you that it was it was joyless for me um, my life began to get smaller and it's so strict there that most of the time after my five years of back-to-back -back recovery there I couldn't hold on to it anymore I just felt so alone and if you do anything wrong in that program including drink caffeine you can't even go to a step meeting and uh, I got to the point where I felt like I wasn't valued and um, after a while I came back to OA and um, it's been wonderful again and um, I felt like my life was beginning to get small again the way it was so long ago and now it's blossoming and, and opening up and I think um, the key is when I feel safe enough to have um, responsibility and accountability around the food I, um, you know, people know, there are people know that, that know what I am eating, and uh, just recently I started texting my food, and, um, you know, I go to um, two meetings a week, sometimes three, and I'm still in AA, and this weekend, um, I just, all of a sudden, the realization came to me that I have a lot of good friends, and I should really reach out to them more. I was realizing that the people that I know, that I currently know in AA, really um, 
have have no um, compassion. It's rough crowd, rough crowd I'm in over there, and and um, and I should reach out more to people that um, that are kinder. And you know, so I'm going to be doing something in OA. There, there's something coming up that I'm doing with somebody. We're going to do service there. And then this weekend, um, I found out there was an international women's convention. Um, in 2019 in um, LA, it's AA, and I called, surprised the hell out of a former sponsee in LA, in, in LA. and um, I told her, how about you and me do this together, and she started crying. I mean, it's just like, you know, where have I been? You know, where have I been? So I'm really glad the food affects me greatly. It affects me greatly. It's the difference between having a whole life and having a half life. So I'm just really so happy for this program because it's made the world, it's meant the world to me, and uh, my life is opening up again. So thank you.